United Lutheran Seminary presents the Seminary Explores podcast, conversations on faith, art, people, politics, theology, life, and more, with voices from around the corner and around the globe. Good day. Welcome to the Seminary Explorers. My Robert, and my guest today is uh, Dave Crowner, Professor Emeritus of German um, at, from Gettysburg College. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about, I hope, uh, some of his involvement in the past few years uh, that, um, that in some sense, go, in some ways goes, uh, 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 goes against, or not against, but adds to his uh, professional life. Um, from my, my understanding, Dave, I heard that you were involved or got involved in the March on Washington in 1963. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. You got it. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and now my curiosity is, uh, how is it that you became involved uh, in uh, the march and that movement? Well, that, that's a good question. Interesting story. Um, I had graduated from Pacific Lutheran College, now Pacific Lutheran University, out in Tacoma, Washington. Oh, yeah. And and had gone to a German summer school immediately after that, where I met Pat. (laughs) And uh, she had one more year to study at the University of Illinois. And then we got married. And upon getting married, we moved directly to Rutgers, at uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, where I began graduate, where I was uh, in graduate school. I'd finished one year there. And uh, so since we were married and we looked for married student housing, we ended up at a little apartment in the graduate student housing next door to the Marchands. Uh, The husband is Jacques Marchand. He was affiliated with the Rutgers chapter of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And he was also involved in the student chapter of the Congress of Racial Equality, or CORE. Core. Right, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Jacques um, made it clear to me that I would be more or less, you know, very welcome to join those two groups and be involved. And so I did. I got affiliated with SNCC. And with CORE. Well, both groups. <laughs> yeah. Well, on um, August 28th, I, along with uh, many other Rutgers students who were in these organizations, boarded a bus, and we traveled down to Washington, D.C. for the March on Washington. Um, that's kind of the background, how I happened to get involved. Okay. Now, at that point... Having come from the West Coast and Patty, Illinois, I don't. We had not been to Washington D.C., so this was a brand new experience for me. Right. So the bus parked, and uh, we walked through a huge crowd to the mall, and then we made our way up towards the Lincoln Memorial, where the stage was set for the people who were in the program, and. Uh, I found out later there were more than 200,000 people present. It was a huge crowd. That, yeah, very. I remember watching that on television. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, I ended up with some of the other students near the front, standing uh, at the right-hand side of the stage, facing the stage, oh, so okay. face, facing Martin Luther King. 
And as a result, I could hear everything he said. Um, and I, I came away feeling it was something special. But at the time, I would never have guessed that the March on Washington and King's unforgettable words. Right. I dream would be so historic. In any case, um, looking back on it, though, the event was extremely peaceful. There was no, absolutely no violence, no problems at all. People were very calm, and uh, it was it was just a wonderful, peaceful event. And uh, looking back on that now, I was so glad. I'm so glad for all of that. Right, um, and when you say uh, it was a peaceful uh, uh, march, and, and that um, in our times uh, we're just hearing more and more with these demonstrations that there are uh, more chaos and violence that that takes yeah. place, and this is uh, in contrast to what you experienced in um, uh, 1963. Oh, totally. Yeah, very much so. Um, and I, I think some of that had to do with the background and with uh, Martin Luther King and the tremendous stress on nonviolent protests. That's very true. Yeah. That had started in the South. Um, and uh, so people were just kind of accustomed to that, that you would have peaceful demonstrations. Now, I, I want to ask, you know, where. Uh, were you given, or uh, the group given, uh, a, a, a an orientation um, to to the march, or in preparation for the march, or told uh, how to behave uh, uh, when, when once you arrived in Washington? I don't recall, and if, oh. if we did, it didn't <laughs> uh, wasn't much of a you know orientation. Now, oh, okay, okay. Um, um, and uh, and with this, with so many people, you met lots of other people and uh, probably a number of college students as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's true. Not only from Rutgers, but from all around. Yeah. It was a huge crowd. Yeah. Oh, um, when you um, think about that time, uh, have... Did, was that a catalyst uh, for your further involvement in uh, social issues in the United States or, you know, in, in the communities in which you lived? I think it played an important role. Um, whether or not to use your word a catalyst, I'm not sure. Um, I was already involved in, in social issues, the anti-war movement, anti-Vietnam. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, just going back further, when I went to Pacific Lutheran, I then became editor of the newspaper there. And so I was one of the leaders of a group who protested against the annual minstrel show where oh. the white students there, you know, dressed up in blackface and put on a show. And the administration canceled it from then on. They never had it again. Now, I don't know where I developed a um, sense of racial justice for that <laughs> okay. but in any case it goes back you know prior to the time i was at rutgers and prior to the march on washington yeah okay um so uh, so the the march came uh, sort of like in the middle you know of 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 your involvement or, or your um yeah, your involvement in uh, social issues that it was uh, had been a uh, it had been a part of your life already yeah i think yes yeah mm -hmm. that's okay. right oh yeah uh, 
Yeah, and, and uh, from that time, uh, um, how did that play into uh, your further involvement after after the march on Washington? Um, do you see it changing you or um, reinforcing uh, what had already been? And if so, uh, what what was the next step in your involvement in social social action? Well, I I think it did reinforce my involvement. And uh, the next specific action was eight months later, um, in April 1964, a group of us from Rutgers, students, <laughs> people active in SNCC and CORE, uh, we joined other groups who were in SNCC and CORE, other students, and we went to the World's Fair that was being held on the Flushing Meadow Fairgrounds in Queens, That's New right. York. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember that. And uh, we were part of a protest held on April 22nd, 1964. So you remember way back <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and what was the nature, and, uh, uh, or what was the goal or the, um, the objective well, the, of, of this demonstration? Okay, the objective was to demonstrate for civil rights uh, and for the Voting Rights Act and the particular uh, thing that was in the middle of this is that the big event was a program at which President Lyndon Johnson spoke. Ah. And there were about 700 of us from around the country who met there to stage this protest we raised banners and chanted slogans for the passage of the Civil Rights Act. Okay. And um, while we were doing that, the TV cameras turned our way and the press turned away from President Johnson <laughs> to the hundreds of students, black and white, yeah, who were taking a stand and interrupting his speech. So, <laughs> okay. Now it was again. It was a very peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. uh, this demonstration about the worst thing we did was interrupt his speech. But uh, in the end, three hundred of us about, about three hundred of us were jailed on Long Island, including me. And I had to spend about twenty-four hours in jail. Oh um, my. I was very nice to the police and so on, so there was no big trouble. And I'm proud that one of my cellmates was James Farmer. Oh, a, my. A founding member of CORE. Yes. So um, that was a, a very special time for me. And all of this uh, finished in a good way in that it, on July 2nd. So we, we demonstrated April 22nd. Mm -hmm. so, May, June, July 2nd, 1964, President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act into law. Oh, yeah. A very memorable occasion in time. I, 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 again, I recall uh, the uh, newspaper clippings from that, from, that, from that signing. Oh, is that right? No, I don't have those. <laughs> but I, I remember my mind, you know. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
in um, in your involvement uh, over the years, um, uh, you know, certainly the March on Washington and this demonstration and your being uh, being jailed uh, uh-huh. certainly uh, comes to mind or, or is prominent in your mind. Are there other instances uh, over these years that have made an impression on you or helped you to um, uh, again to reaffirm uh, your um, your belief in humanity and the rights of all human beings. Are there any other significant instances that you can recall? Oh yeah, I could I could go on and on. <laughs> um, one one of them is that at the college I became the faculty director of the student service learning program. Oh yes, um, I was director of that for ten years. And as that was involved in getting the students engaged with people um, in all sorts of situations, from the uh, San Carlos Indian Reservation out west to Peru to all over, and one of the events you were asking that really sticks in my mind is I went with a group of students down to Sandtown on the edge of Baltimore. Oh, okay. I don't know. We uh, met with... uh, young people there and worked did a little bit of service at a school there and learned about all their difficulties the situation they live in mm-hmm. and that that had a big impression on me um just finding out firsthand kind of eye to eye the difficult circumstances in which people like that live and how they try to cope you know right Right. Very, very different from um, from, you know, um, the college community and uh, and and the social settings in which our college students are involved. Oh, yeah, we we you're exactly right. We had a group come up from Sandown to the college to do a tour. And I remember I felt like, wow, this is like taking them to the moon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Out of their worldview. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, as you, as you ref, uh, uh, as you reflect again, um, what uh, what might you say to young people who today who might be skeptical about uh, about the value of of such involvement as marches, demonstrations, and and um, and, um, and their immersion experiences? Uh, that opens uh, that might open their worldview. Um, that's a great question. Um, it reminds me of a book I bought a long time ago when I was involved with uh, service learning, and it's called "Leading Is Serving." Oh, <laughs> and one of the points that the author makes is that to be a good leader, um, you have to serve. <laughs> And to serve, and this is kind of answers your question, way to serve is to listen. Ah. That one of the key ways, one of the key elements to uh, knowing what to do and where to move forward and so on is to listen to people. And so what I would tell young people is, um, how about getting in a situation where you can listen to some of these people, the kids or elderly or whomever. Right. And and find out about them, about their lives, and then you might have some sense of what your place is. Very, yeah, oh, yeah, that's powerful, 
That's powerful. And, 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 and it seems to me and, uh, uh, that um, we're not doing a lot of listening these days. Um, that we uh, we're being very, we're like silos, isolated uh, individuals, and not listening to the other and the concerns of the other. Yeah, and and I suppose part of it's just the the technology, which is not the kids' fault, but you know they're doing their video things and their cell phones and watching movies on TV and so on, and that's not a lot of the kind of listening I'm thinking about. Right, right. Uh, um, uh, and uh, as you um, as you uh, listen now or read now or as you uh, peruse the uh, uh, the newspapers, uh, what are the issues that seem to jump out to you um, as someone who you know has this uh, different or global uh, view of, of of the world? Are there issues that are jumping out at you at this time? Yeah, that again, you, you've hit a, <laughs> a nail on the head. Um, one of the issues that jumps out at me, given the news and so on uh, that we get every day, is I think that we in the United States had have to have more experience with the world at large. Um, okay. When, when during the political campaign recently, people talked about America as the greatest country in the world, um, I kept thinking about, wait a minute, <laughs> I can give you examples about a country in the world that has a fantastic, you know, kind of a situation. <laughs> right, That's right. Much, much better than ours. We just need to know more about other countries. And um, I... I started to write a letter to the Today Show about that a while back, and I have to finish it still <laughs> to say, why don't you put on a, like a five-minute segment every now and then about another country? And um, there's so many countries that people don't even know exist. That's right. And it, it wouldn't have to be political or contentious. It could just be about their culture, about their food, who knows what, just to give us some picture of of what other countries are like. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and especially, uh, we mentioned before, uh, technology, it's a we are able to even go to these places um, and or, or show these places uh, around the world uh, to, yeah, help, yeah. To, to help inform our people. You're right. Yeah. Um, now, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm lucky that in my background, having taught German and gone to Germany, um, and lived there with Pat and the kids for a year and a half. You know, this really kind of cemented my interest in other countries. And uh, we've been to Tanzania and Peru and El Salvador, all over the place. So I'm a little prejudiced. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think, uh, uh, again, I, I think there's uh, something about um, traveling that uh, really uh, makes you confront your own values, uh, but yeah. also look at the values of, uh, that exist in other parts of the world. Yes, you're right. You know, and another, I'm, I was thinking, you asked the question about um, my interest in other things and yes. what what other kids people could do. And one of my answers I've always thought of when these politicians get on TV and so on is I would love to say, 
tell me about your childhood. <laughs> and oh, now that's interesting. I, I, I thought it would be good for pretty young people to say, uh, think back, what, what's your childhood been like? What, what have been important influences on you? Because um, I, I think that's important. And not to go into a lot of detail, but my dad was a Lutheran pastor, and my wife, of course, did a lot of work with him. And this is in Southern California, where he even helped establish a Lutheran church for the Mexicans living there. Oh, really? So, okay. And he would go to the church occasionally and do services, and I would go along. So I had contact with the Mexicans there. I never, ever had any sense about, you know, prejudices and so on. That's just the way life was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and if somebody said, tell about your child, I could say, well, my folks were kind to everybody. They worked with the Mexicans, and that's a part of my background, and I'm sure that helped shape me. Well, v very much so. And, and what you're saying is that, uh, that uh, parents can influence the worldview of their children by exposing them to, uh, to the varieties of experiences or the varieties of people who live within these United States and abroad. Oh, that's for sure. And when that, I, yeah, go on. Oh, I just want one tiny little anecdote. When Pat and I moved to Gettysburg in the summer of 1967, um, I went over and volunteered for Head Start. This is the summer of 1967. Oh, okay. So mm -hmm. one, of, one of my first students <laughs> had nothing to do with Gettysburg College. It was Eric Nutter. Oh, my. <laughs> of the Nutter family. And he was there as a kid in Head Start. And I'll always remember that. And so does Pat. You know, he was... <laughs> so here's this little black kid, one of my first contacts in Gettysburg. And it's always stuck in my mind. Yeah. Oh, that's that's marvelous. That's marvelous. Uh, I can't believe our t uh, time is almost up. And uh, uh, any <laughs> any parting uh, any words of encouragement that uh, you might have for our listening audience uh, about social engagement and mi and ministry. I um, I just think it's extremely important not to sit on the sidelines but to uh, choose an issue that's extremely important yes. and that's important to you and uh, get involved, even in a, a slight way, because every little bit that we can do helps. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Well, I want to thank you for sharing uh, your insights into your experiences from the March on Washington to life in um, uh, Gettysburg and uh, and around the world. Uh, it, uh, uh, you've contributed to our community, and uh, it's always uh, a joy to hear about those experiences. Well, thank you, Nelson. This it's been fun, very interesting. Right. Uh, my guest today has been uh, Dave Crowner, Professor Emeritus of German uh, from Gettysburg College, and we've been talking about uh, social engagement uh, from from the March on Washington in 1963 to the present time. Uh, for the Seminary Explorers, this is Nelson Strobert. Have a good day. You have been listening to The Seminary Explores, a production of United Lutheran Seminary with campuses in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
we invite you to visit our website at unitedlutheranseminary.edu. Opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of United Lutheran Seminary or the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America.